New music is the lifeblood, and the search is for the next generational talent is still on the way. I want to find that next band that will be like the Metallica of tomorrow or the Led Zeppelin, because we still don't know who that is. Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad you're able to join us. He's a music executive, and he's a podcast host for a music show. Ladies and gentlemen, the CEO and host of the World Rock Countdown, and also an on-air personality, George Rock. George is his name, and this is his revelation. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, man. Uh, where are you from, sir? I'm from a, a town out in Ontario, Canada, just outside of Toronto, about 45 minutes away. Um, okay. It's called Kitchener. And uh, I basically live here and my family's all here. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Canadian born uh, musician and uh, radio guy. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. How would, how is, how would you describe the vibe of being, I guess you could say in a, well, I wouldn't say suburb, but close to a suburb of Toronto. Um, I would, well, my parents, uh, they immigrated here. Um, well, my grandparents immigrated here. So my dad, and, uh, I would say that the atmosphere in Toronto, the environment really is comparable to any other large city like Chicago or Los Angeles, because there's a ton of culture. Um, Canada is made up of a ton of, uh, a ton of, I would say a ton of multicultural communities. There's like Polish, there's Greek, there's Chinese, there's, uh, it's a home for everyone. Um, and, and Canada is still trying to find their identity on the world stage. Like if I were to say, I did a, tried doing a documentary on uh, mm-hmm. Canadian culture a few years ago and, and I was looking for a Canadian dish, for example, and I could not find one that wasn't uh, influenced by another culture. There is there's the poutine, uh, which is obviously uh, chips with gravy and uh, cheese curds, and I would recommend trying it once, maybe not twice, if you have a weak stomach. But it's mm-hmm. it's living in in Toronto and in Canada is really a privilege. There's lots of great opportunities, lots of culture, lots of cool food. Uh, we love our sports. Uh, there's so much. Like uh, <laughs> definitely, anyone I would recommend if you're looking for going to go on a vacation, definitely look at going to Toronto or Canada, anywhere in Canada. Uh, well, you hear that Toronto chamber of commerce. Here you go. You got a guy who can work for you right here. <laughs> yeah. I, I will definitely say Toronto is a wonderful city. Uh, and I look forward to getting back there to, to partake in, like you said, the diverse culture that exists. Uh, the, po- the poutine. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to pass on that, but, uh, <laughs> but I've, I've heard that it's a delicacy. Well, I heard it's a, delight of a dish for Canadians. So I totally get that. Uh, you know what? Honestly, 
people say you got to try the poutine. It all, it really gives me like a stomach ache. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Some something happens in my stomach when I I eat the cheese curds with that gravy, and it's it's not a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I could I could totally see how that wouldn't be. It doesn't sound like it would be for me either. <laughs> so <laughs> you said that your parents moved to Canada. Uh, what country they were from again? If I've forgot uh, my, to ask my, my family is from a little country off the coast of Turkey and Lebanon. Uh, it's called Cyprus. Cyprus. Yes. I've heard of the country. Okay. And back in the early seventies, they had a, uh, a civil war and my parents, well, my dad, he was uh, basically ran from his home because the Turkish uh, army came and took over the North part of Cyprus. So he ended up living in a, a, uh, a what's it called? A UN, tent city for about three years until he got a chance to come over to Canada with his father and his sister and mother and brother and uh, restarted over here. Uh, We have a significant amount of family Mm -hmm. over here. My mom and her family decided to come uh, way before that war, but uh, definitely cool to look back and uh, not, not cool. Cool is not the right word, but you're really I'm really privileged to be here because of all everything that happened. I mean, like that's really scary yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, I can see how it would be totally can see how that would be. Wow. So yeah, I'm glad that they actually sought refuge and found their place there. So what made them settle on being near Toronto? Honestly, that would be a story that you have to ask them. I, I don't really know. A lot of the immigrants did come mm-hmm. through Halifax on boat, but I, I don't know that whole story. I'll have to ask them and get back to you. Okay. All right. I look forward to hearing the answer to that because uh, I always I'm interested in in hearing why they decided to settle on a certain spot from coming from another place, whether it's whether it's one city to another or one country to another. So yeah, that, that is interesting. But I, I do think a possibility would be because my great uncle was the one that sponsored them to come over here to Canada, and he was living in Kitchener at that time, so that's why they moved there. Um, but it's it's weird because there's a lot of people from Cyprus that live in that area as well. So it's like we have our little community there too. So it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I can imagine it being that. I can imagine being that. And so tell me more about uh, how you were shaped in uh, in your upbringing. Uh, well, you have a rich radio background. You have a rich music background. So how did your upbringing play a part in that? My upbringing, uh, I would say my upbringing was the, uh, you know, my parents, you know, sometimes you look back and it's like, I don't really agree at that point in your life. You didn't agree with what your parents were doing, but you look back now and it's like, I would do the exact mm-hmm. same thing, right? Uh, my parents were uh, very supportive of everything I've done. And of course, if you know Greek people or European people in general, they're not afraid to tell you their two cents. Uh, right. They'll speak their opinion on everything. And it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong or they're right or wrong. They will definitely tell you as bad as it sounds. But my father, my mother always pushed me. My dad's a school principal here. I actually going to be retiring hopefully next year, which is amazing. Really pushed education on me, but my mom actually got me turned on to music. A very, very uh, weird uh, moment in my life because there was okay. a project back in, I believe, grade two, and they wanted us to research, do a presentation on a artist. 
And at that point, grade two, you're listening to the radio. Uh, you may hear some songs here and there, but you honestly really don't know who these people are. Unless your parents are musicians as well. <laughs> my parents are not. Um, my, mom, my mom recommended me Van Halen. Ooh. Okay. So your mother yeah. was a metalhead. Okay. That's what she says, but I have her records from back in the day, and there's only Van Halen and nothing really too heavy mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I did the project on Van Halen, and ever since then, I was a humongous fan. I am a humongous fan of Van Halen. I know almost everything to do with the band. I have all their records. I've mm-hmm. attempted to paint some of my guitars the same way, but it didn't work out. <laughs> all right. So... But that's how I got turned on to music and listening to the radio. I was listening to the radio when I was a kid and hearing it on drives with my parents. And I got kind of inspired, you know, and it's like, I wish I could do this. I've always wanted to do that. But my father at one point was, you know, my guidance counselor told me I could not do this. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, you know what happens when people challenge you? Mm -hmm. You go the opposite way. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're, we ended up being good friends. A guidance counselor ended up working at my dad's school. So we ended up hanging out a few times and he knows, like, I don't have to bring it up to him, but I forgive him. But I, I think maybe subconsciously he told me that just so he'd see, he knew I was going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what happened. He told me, no, I went and did it. And the rest is history. Yeah. Well, that's a refreshing way of looking at how someone would say for you not to do something. Yeah, it's like, eh, take it as a challenge. Don't take it as it being an insult to you. Eh, okay, that that's a good lesson to learn. <laughs> uh, obviously, sometimes people say something and they it sounds bad, but they don't know how else to tell you it. Yeah. Um, but in that instance, I'm pretty sure he was just telling me not to do it, uh, but not so much in his way. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Because he does listen to me now, which is great. Yeah, and that's really all that matters right there. And my family's really education oriented um like my dad he's got his master's in education uh my sister's going to school right now for uh masters in theater work uh my uncle's a very successful businessman he's gone to school for uh, n- numerous things my aunt like uh, they really push education because education does matter like learning is very good for you and uh and they were always my dad was always like you should try and get a job with your uncle and because my uncle is very like extremely successful right so try and get a job go to school for that but eventually you just got to start listening to yourself and not what other people want i've always wanted to be in radio and this is where we're at so you know it's that's that's part of my upbringing right you start you grow up and you start listening to mm-hmm. people and it's like, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I shouldn't do this, but then you got to actually listen to yourself. And it's like, you know, this is what my heart's telling me. I want to do. This is what I like to do. I, I will always say this. One of the greatest pieces of advice I've ever received from anybody was my father. When I was younger, he said to me, he said, you're a man now. And no matter what we say to you, uh, you get to do what you want to do. You have the final say over your life. Now, we may not agree with all the decisions you make, but that shouldn't matter to you because if it's something that you agree with in your life and you think it's good for you, then all we can do is support you. We we can't do anything else but that. And that was so freeing to hear my father say that, you know? So yeah, I totally feel that. I totally understand that. It doesn't really matter. 
what advice your parents give because in the end, uh, they want the best for you. They'll be happy if you're happy. Yeah. They'll help you if you need help. They're all, my parents are always here for me. So guys, I don't know how I can uh, give them more gratitude than I already do, but especially mm-hmm. over the radio, I don't really want to be praising my parents, but. <laughs> but no, it's, 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 it's necessary. I mean, that's your foundation, just like my parents were with me. So I, I totally get that. But uh, all right, well, we will get off of your parents and we will circle back to your love of Van Halen. So what uh, outside of your mother, what made you fall in love with the band? Just the way the music sounds fantastic. The guitar is amazing. Uh, but at the same time, like, there was another element mm-hmm. to their music. It's, it's, it's fun. You know, when you see them live, they're having fun. They're, they're having a good time. That's what music's all about, about having a good time, um, playing some good, decent tunes, like Van Halen's tunes. They have tunes that are, uh, are music. That's fantastic. They have other songs on their records that are right. really there. If I wasn't a fan of them, I would not like that song, but they're just a fun band really inspirational and reading the backstory on how it all came to be originally Eddie Van Halen, not playing guitar. Instead he was playing drums and Alex was playing guitar. And one day they decided mm. to switch and you know how, how his Eddie's technique came together and how they wrote this song, how they found that guy, you know, wow. it, it gives you hope. see, I just learned something new. I never knew Eddie played drums. Never knew that. Wow. All right. Since you're a Van Halen fan, I'll ask you this question. Very difficult. Very difficult. Very intricate. Who was a better lead singer for that group? David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, mm-hmm. um, I honestly, I would say a better yeah. showman would be David Lee Roth. A better singer, probably Sammy Hagar. That guy, if you listen to the songs, Sammy Hagar mm-hmm. songs with Van Halen, and then you listen to David Lee Roth songs with Van Halen, it's like two different animals. It's not it's like a completely right. different band, but there's more more emotion in the in the music that Sammy Hagar put out with that band than there is with David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth's time with Van Halen was fun. Mm-hmm. It was about having a good time, having some fun with some ladies, you know, riding that fast car. And Sammy Hagar's time with Van Halen was about emotion and uh, talking about hard times and that's it's different it's a different type of, st- of story writing or songwriting mm-hmm. uh, i did like the singer after sammy hagar gary sharon who, yeah, mm-hmm. who, who sings for extreme i believe i like that that record too mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the front they got three great front men and if they were ever to go on tour with all three of those guys you may find that right now sammy hagar is the better vocalists and then the second would be gary sharon just because of age maybe i don't think i've given you a definite answer though that's because i really don't Mm -hmm. know you know like it's a comparison Mm -hmm. that i would have to take the rest of my life to Mm -hmm. figure this out (laughs) and it's been a while for me and i haven't figured it out myself either (laughs) so i know the feeling i know the feeling all right so uh, what's what's your favorite song from them if you had to choose one because i know the band has been together almost 40 years so what would be your favorite song? I like the slower songs, to be honest. I like mm-hmm. the uh, I'll Wait off the 1984 album. It's got a really cool solo. Not enough from, uh, I forget which record that's from. I should know this. I'm an expert. <laughs> um, it's from the time of Sammy Hagar. The solo, the, the vibe off that song is pretty good. Human Humans Being mm-hmm. from the, t- the Twister soundtrack. 
that song is just rocking. That's also with Sammy Hagar. Um, mm. Those are my top three right now. Uh, but that being my favorite band, it may mm. actually change constantly. But just just to keep in mind that I don't I don't listen to Van Halen every day. They are my favorite. Mm-hmm. I can't. I like listening yeah. to new things, and I don't like consuming myself with the same music that's already set in stone. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's understandable. Which you dovetailed into my next question. All right, so you discover your love for Van Halen when you were younger. Uh, how did that blossom into your full love of music? Oh man, uh, how, how much time do you have? <laughs> because there's a, there's a few different stories. Well. It's weird. I had had a love for Van Halen, but I ended up playing bass. I still play bass. I play a bit of guitar, drums, and I sing sometimes, but it's really not for everyone. And I just listened to Van Halen, gave me the inspiration to listen to more. And at that time, when you're growing up, everybody goes to the classic rock stage. So there's a Bachman-Turner Overdrive record. Listen to that. I listened to Guess Who? And it, then I found... You know, right. I listen to Ozzy Osbourne, which is another one of my favorites. I think that guy has mm. some really good, good songs, great records. Sabbath, then basically I garnered a, a, a bit of an understanding of how music developed and how rock developed in general. And a lot mm. of people these days, especially with EDM mm. and uh, a lot of electronic music, they don't know, like there's there's not really a backstory that I know of about that. There's a backstory on how rock started. There's a backstory on how R&B started. There's history behind that, right? So I was more interested in hearing the bands that were influences to the bands I was listening to at that time. I can't really, maybe I was listening to what? Was it Silver Silver Chair? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a group I haven't heard in a while. Well, I, I heard an interview with them on Much Music, which is a used to be a, like an MTV up here in Canada, mm-hmm. they were talking about, you know, ACDC or their favorite bands. So I'd go find them and I'd listen to them. And at that point we'd have a record store and we would go, we still have a record store and me and my friends or I would go down there and grab a record, take a chance on a new uh, artist. Um, I discovered um, nine inch nails down there. I, I discovered a lot more other bands down there that I would have never took a chance on now because that that's the whole part of discovering music is that you take a chance on something that you're not sure of. You see the cover, you see the band's name. All right, let's do this. You give the cashier the nine, ten dollars you go home, you listen to it. And if you don't like it, it goes on your shelf. Um, so I ended up being going from understanding music to figuring out the history. And then, then the trial and error mm-hmm. part, right? You listen to bands, you hate them. You either like them or hate them. Then you find your niche, what kind of music you like. I went through a heavy metal phase, you know, Slayer and Anthrax. And uh, it's, I mean, you got to understand some of these bands. I'm seeing Anthrax this Friday, but I guarantee you that there's there's people in that crowd that don't know how Anthrax started. You know, how, how why or how they got signed and what their story is. Some people are seeing them for the first time. Some people don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a history behind everything. I just, I always like looking into things. I, I used to go on Wikipedia when it first started and I start reading about the Smashing Pumpkins and then four, four hours later, I'd be mm-hmm. reading about something else still, you know, and you no know, information is very good for me to, to know. So I have a good memory right. and I like uh, knowing things that other people don't, people don't. So, um, I, I, for as how it blossomed into music, um, I, 
you know, listening to music and then putting that together with actually playing music was a whole different story. I, I picked up uh, a guitar and then in school we were playing keyboard and then finally I decided to play bass. And I was like, I've always wanted to kind of play in a band. And about 10 bands later, here we are and still playing in a band with my friends. And that's where we're at right now. Okay. All right. And it, from one guy who loves studying music's history to another, I, I totally get how you can get immersed in the knowledge of, okay, my favorite band loves this. My favorite band loves this. Let me listen to these influences as to why they got gathered the sound they have. So yeah, I, I totally get how, how that could be a wonderful experience all its own. Oh, so, oh for sure. And totally. I definitely like podcasts because sometimes they'll do a backstory on this musician. And it's like, Oh, well he went to go play for this band. It's like, well, I've never heard that band. So I'll look them up and you know, it's, it, it's good having that knowledge, right? I mean, it's very refreshing to know, it solidifies mm-hmm. something inside of me to know about this band and how they influence this other group that's up and coming. So it, it helps you compare bands and, and describe them to people, right? So um, being in, in the music industry, it's very, it's, you have to know what you're talking about and you have yeah. to be up to date and be open-minded and listen to new bands. And it it's something that's probably going to, go with me to the grave, but I'll always love listening to music and reading about their backstory. If Wikipedia is still around in 50 years, Hopefully it will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you talked about your, your time and actually uh, playing bass. If uh, you have to pick an influencer on who your style of, as a bassist is patterned after, who would that man or woman be? I wasn't expecting this question because I don't, I don't really, I can't really describe that. Uh, there's a, there's a few. I would say uh, Rob Trujillo from Metallica, very underrated. He's probably like Jason mm-hmm. Newstead uh, was a good, good bass player, and so is Cliff Burton. But uh, underrated. I think that Rob Trujillo is. Uh, hopefully, no one's ready to hit me with a baseball bat in the head. But I think he's, he's the, he's the best. He's the best bass player that they've ever had. Uh, this guy is an animal. Uh, the guy knows what he's doing. He's played for Ozzy. He has a track record. He's got the groove. That's who I feel represents <laughs> me the best. That's who I want to. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to grow up mm. to be. Um, and Geezer Butler of a Black Sabbath. I feel like that guy really set some standards for me. Of course. Being a bass player, you always want to play the old Sabbath songs, and then you play them. And it's like, wow, this song may mm-hmm. be simple, but the bass line is what really makes it. And going back to where they started from and learning about them, you know, like Black Sabbath and like the, the the coin bass sound, the, the mm-hmm. very low uh, overdriven sound is uh, amazing. But going back to Rob uh, Trujillo, I saw him uh, last summer, saw Metallica for the first time, mm-hmm. and that guy is that guy is solid. You know, it's very confident, and he he plays the hell out of that bass. And yeah. that's somebody that people should really, if they haven't taken notice, start looking at his stuff right now because it's somebody that who's very underrated. And I feel that he needs more, more not more fame, but more recognition. So those are the two bass players that I think I compare to. Maybe not fully, but because they're they're eons ahead of me, but. 
that's who I aspire to be or try and base my bass playing after. Yeah. And so the, the feel I get is you, you feel your play is aggressive, raw, and passionate. That, that's the feeling I get when I, when I, when you mention those two bass players. Oh, exactly. I, I was trying not, I was trying to describe it without going on like a 20 minute tangent. On. <laughs> I totally understand that. I totally understand that. I might get, might get side distracted on, uh, Rob's uh, bass. He has like a a clear a clear bass that he plays, and I just I want to have that bass one day. I still don't know the brand. But... I mean, and when I when I saw that you were a bassist, I was like, man, okay, I got to ask him this question because, uh, well, I, I love I love bass players, L- love them, love them. I have an affinity for it, and, and even in choirs, I have affinity for guys who can sing bass. So. Yeah, so when I heard when I when I read and heard that you played that, I say, okay, I definitely have to ask him this because it's 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 rare that you hear the importance of what a bass does for music. You, you, we hear we hear about what the rhythm guitarists do and lead guitarists do and lead singers and drummers. You rarely hear bassists, and you rarely hear the the impact of what they can do on a track and the impact that they can have on tracks is extremely extremely crucial and important oh exactly i mean uh, being a bass player a lot of people don't give that member of the band the respect or the recognition but some of those players i could tell you right now if my one friend left his band it would be like a divorce there could be no person that could fill that Mm -hmm. that void and when a song is put together Mm -hmm. it's got the feel it's got the the emotion of the bass player in there and there's no replacing it. You know, there's no original. It's like to remove a bass player from his band. It, it would be a, and replace with somebody else. It would be a significant, a detrimental thing to happen to that band because it's, it's a, as much as people don't want to admit it, the bass player is one, if not the most important part of your band, I think it's, and, and that's, you know, I don't want to say that because I am one, but, the second would probably be your vocalist and then, then your drummer and then your guitar players because, you know, the drummer and bass player, they mesh together mm-hmm. and the vocalist needs to be on top yeah. of his game to yeah. put on a show for everybody while maintaining right. his notes and stuff. So, Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, much love and shout out to all your bases out there. Uh, know that this host here appreciates your play. I love bass guitars. I don't care what genre. I love bass guitar. Oh, I love it too. I'm a bit tone deaf, but I, I can hear the bass for mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, switching gears slightly. Uh, how did you become a music exec? Oh, uh, well, I mean, like I apply for it. Simple enough. Um, yeah. Um, I first started off doing the A&R thing for a website. Uh, it was called IndieSolo.com. Back when I was like 16 years old, I knew a friend of a friend who was doing this thing. And I was like, hey, can I already throw shows? I used to promote concerts and bring bands to town. And then I got this position. So I was interviewing, discovering bands around the world. And then we'd feature them one band a day on the site. And at that point, I decided to go to school. So I went to school for business at first and then radio broadcasting second. I came out, did a radio career thing. And in the, in the midst of everything, I was uh, brought in to do a A&R 
slash tour manager kind of job with a newer label, a newer country label. And uh, it's, it's come a long way. Uh, I've always been interested in, in music and uh, being a, a music exec at one point was very eye-opening for me, it, especially like being part of like a an indie label uh, or an indie operation where it's either balls to the wall or nothing because the major labels have all the money they have, they have the promotion, they have the connections, you know, they, they can make anything happen. And my last route with uh, the country thing, it was, uh, it was all right. I mean, I do kind of think that country is really boring, but just because they whine about the same things over and over again. But uh, I, I, I think that it's come a long way from where it was. And I, it just wasn't for me. Uh, it wasn't, in my heart, radio was in my heart. Finding rock bands was always what I wanted to do. I like I like a whole band. I like some distortion. I like some heavy hitting drums, some vocals, maybe even some screams, uh, some double kick. You know, that's what's missing in country. If they really want to mix things up, you, maybe you should take my advice, but make it a bit more exciting. Um, I've always I've always appreciated music. Don't get me wrong, but the country music thing is not for me. Uh, the rock thing is. Is it's all me, and it definitely embodies me. It's like a religion. So yeah. that's that's how I came wow. to be. That, that's that's powerful. Uh, oh, um, Natural's on the phone with you. They they want to uh, beg to differ, but uh, <laughs> catch him in. I'm ready. <laughs> oh my! Now I I know what A and R is, but uh, for those who don't know, what does the acronym mean? It stands for artists and repertoire. Um, that's what it's saying, but what you're supposed to be doing in that position is discovering new bands, helping them develop, talk to them, see if they're ready to take that next step and, and do some work with people higher up in the, in your label. So uh, just administrative work, but the best part about that job is connecting with bands and making appointments, promotional appearances, going around with them. And uh, obviously the music industry has changed. Um, especially for the majors in the last 10 years, but the indies still stay the same. And when I was studying your background, that is exactly what hit me. I said, okay. Uh, in the conversation we had before we started this interview, I was wondering why you had such a passion for new music. That makes sense. You were an AR, A&R guy. I'm like, okay, well, that's why. He has an ear for wanting to hear something new. And you mentioned in your journey in A&R that you are a radio guy. So, uh, how did it come to be that you were in this wonderful industry called the broadcast industry? I went to school for it, obviously, always like we spoke about earlier. I wanted to do it, but people said I shouldn't because they thought I should pr- pursue something that was more, was better for my future. And when I started listening to myself, what I really wanted, I want to do radio, I always want to do radio. I went for my first year of college. I flunked out and I realized at that point, I have to follow my heart. I got to stop listening to what other people want of me. And and this is a common uh, issue that people have. Once you stop caring about, you know, it's very hard to get out of that box. Once you start stop caring about what other people want of you, what do people like uh, think of you, then your life will come together. That's how, what I believe. Um, so I did radio after college uh, up until about this year, this last year. And one of my my biggest issues with radio is that they're not taking any, I mean, some of them do take any risks on new artists. And that doesn't jive with me because 
I want to hear some new music, and I, I'm sure you would like to hear some new music too. So what's the issue? How come they're not listening to people? How come they're not listening to us? Like there is, there is music on the station I used to work at that's still playing from the day I actually walked in the door. That's it's still playing on the playlist. Like it's 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 not it's not practical. People are sick of it. Change it up, right? And you know you know I hear on uh, other stations or satellite radio stations it's like oh this is the new one from metallica well no it's not the new one from metallica metallica their record came out last year it's so it's not new maybe it's new for people who haven't heard the new metallica record but it's not new and i don't like people telling me what i'm gonna like uh i'm sure you you don't like that either right so um it's like this new Queens of the Stone Age song, either like it or not, this is a new one. We're going to play this. We're not going to play somebody else. There's there's tons of bands, especially where you live. You live in Tennessee. There's rock bands that I know of, uh, maybe not off the top of my head, but that can rock the socks off some of these bands on the bigger stage. There's there's We're not investing enough in the future of the music industry if we're just sitting steadily and maybe adding their songs, uh, Queens of the Stone Age songs, or say a Dell song a year later, onto our, our, our playlist. Um, there's too much research going into this stuff. Uh, it's not making anybody money. It's causing you issues. It's, it's making your, your, your industry obsolete because people have other ways of discovering music and it's uh, not so good for people working in the industry because that would involve people leaving, uh, not having jobs after. So. You, you, you are not the first person I have heard actually voice that particular issue. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it and I've personally have witnessed it. Uh, is, <laughs> and I've heard it described as we're seeing the death of radio as we know it. And yeah. And, and as, as I mentioned to you earlier, it, you know, I don't recognize the industry because I remember years ago, you had many different networks who, who owned different radio stations and even some radio stations that independently operated on their own. And you had that influence and that influx of new, fresh, uh, music that would come in but at least in the states it now has dwindled down to two maybe even three companies that control the music that we hear and like i said to you you know it's like this list of 20 songs and i don't necessarily want to hear the same song every hour and that is disheartening to me as a music listener so i can imagine how much more disheartening it is to you who works in the industry that's uh, I was working at a country station at one point and they're like, when Taylor Swift came out, it's like, we're going to play Taylor Swift every hour. It's like, should I just rip this console out of the wall and throw it out the window? <laughs> right. As much as, right. It, as much as it hurts the people listening, it hurts the jocks too. It's like Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, you know, nothing against her. Um, but people want to hear something new. People want to hear something fresh and they want to be able to give their opinion on it. So, that's where it all starts. And listening to people right now, getting their opinion has never been easier. You have social media. You can tell them, hey, do you like this new song from uh, Metallica? What do you think of it? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, I love it. So you wait, you wage it up and you garner everybody's comments and you put that up and say, hey, five people said this, six people said that. You know, there's a split decision or people love it. You know, there's no... Nobody's voicing their opinion. No one's speaking out. Uh, this is one of many causes, but you know, music is very, it's a very passionate thing to a lot of people. Like people love playing music. People in bands want to have that publicity. And there's not that, that outlet right now because 
the money that labels are putting into Spotify, uh, putting into YouTube and, uh, and Google and like, you know, getting their songs on the radio. It's, uh, it's overwhelming sometimes for a guy like me who's playing in a band and I need to pay a radio tracker $5,000 to maybe get my song on the radio. That's $5,000 in Canada, by the way. I think the quote from uh, the United States was close to 50000 And so. that ex- that totally explains what my, I guess my next question will be to you, but I'll still ask it anyway. This frustration that was building with you that still is there with you, with the industry not really having its ear to the street, uh, I would assume it propelled you to start what you now call the World Rock Countdown. Um, well, the World Rock Countdown uh, was a thought in my head for close to seven years. But uh, when I would bring it up to my friends, uh, they were mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's do it. Let's." I, originally, I was going to do it with other people. It was going to be called something else, so I forget the name. But um, at that point, that we were seeing there's other people in the radio industry that were seeing the exact same thing as me and decided they weren't going to speak out or go against things. And, uh, the, the way things are going the, the with the world rock countdown is that I'm actually trying to help bands that I've discovered, you know, um, help them get out there and give them a platform to be heard. Uh, the world rock countdown came together officially uh, originally, I was going to go to the AT40 in Los Angeles do a, an internship at a school, and I got connected with. I emailed Ryan Seacrest, and for some reason, he I for, he actually saw that email, and then he forwarded that to an executive producer, who, which I I'm happy to call my friend today. I made a connection with him, and then about two summers ago, I had a chance. And privileged to go up to LA, finally meet this guy, and he's a guy who's been pr- producing. His name is Toby. He's been produced. He, he produced uh, Casey Kasem's show and does Ryan Seacrest's show, and and I had a good talk with him, and I realized what I had to do right there. I mean, like as soon as I came back from, as soon as I left the building, I knew exactly what I had to do is put my plan into place and make things happen, um, and. The World Rock Countdown website took about a year to actually get rolling because I'd have people who were incompetent, people who weren't working on it, uh, be paying web designers, and one guy disappeared on me for like six weeks, and you know it was uh, it was quite a roller coaster. But it goes to show you, if you want to get something done, you got to be ruthless and and uh, see it through and keep pushing through because there will be so many obstacles to stop you in your way for making something that you passionately want to see happen because you believe in it. And in this past July, we actually launched the site and the radio show and the podcast, uh, which has been going very well. It's getting better and better. I featured a few uh, bigger bands and I got in touch with them, had a few interviews and some producers. And so it's growing on people and I hope to uh, bring more, uh, people over to the podcast in the future, uh, especially the next few weeks, because I really want people to know what I'm doing. And especially with social media these days, it's very hard to get the word out. Like I posted a new show today, for example, and it was like two hours later, I, I looked at how many people it reached. It reached like 17 people. And it's like, why, you know, but that, that, that remains the, uh, the one barrier right now is social media. But, uh, 
the future for the World Rock Countdown is um, it's the more and more I think about it, the more I want to do it because that's how I feel. That's this is my calling in life to help uh, bands, and this could be my uh, my full time show. And you know, it's an it's an ever growing thing. Like every week, you 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 want to hear the exact same music on a, a regular countdown, or do you want to hear ten bands? artists that you've never heard before what what sounds more intriguing to you yeah something i've heard before for me is more intriguing yeah yeah no question yeah well that, that makes sense that makes total sense and i, I think th- I, I think what you are on is the journey that i believe the music industry needs to go into which is other outlets that can allow bands that we haven't heard before give and, and give a voice to them so i'm glad that there's an outlet like you that can actually have that ear to the street and say you know you haven't heard this one before here it is and i love you for creating this platform and resource thanks man like i i really i get a kick out of i get like a rush when i find a band that their songs absolutely rock yeah it's like i like Showing my friends, sometimes I annoy them a bit. It's like, yeah, I found this cool band. You got to listen to this band. It's like, oh, this is pretty good. It's like, well, you got to listen to this other other band I found from Sweden. And it's not just a band from the States or 10 bands from the States. It, it could be uh, like this week. It's uh, one band from Sweden, two bands from the UK, one band from Japan, uh, you know, from Canada. We've had groups from South Africa and Brazil email me. And, you know, uh, even some of the bigger bands have offered to be on my show. So obviously what I'm trying to do here is raise some more awareness and talk about the music and, and uh, make this some type of place where you can officially go to discover new music. And it's not iTunes. It's not, you know, it's not Spotify, but it's a, it's a unique podcast that I believe um, could be on the radio one day. Uh, but in order for that to happen, I, we've got to get much more support than we already have. And uh, I mean, new music is the lifeblood and the search has for the next generational talent is still on the way. I want to find that next band that will be like the Metallica of tomorrow or the Led Zeppelin. Cause we still don't know who that is because we're not giving our artists the opportunity. And, and that's what makes, that's what makes music powerful. The fact that it can spark movements, it can spark community. It can spark, conversation and if we hear the same old stuff without a new spin on something or just a straight up new genre altogether then you start to see the death of something you know it it takes something new to breathe life into things and uh, when that's squelched so is the creation whether it's music or human being or an idea or anything you know, you just need something new to infuse life into it. So I, I look at your vehicle and that's what I see. I see you trying to breathe life into something that you enjoy and you love. And it's it's a needed resource. So, yeah, I I, I, I look forward to seeing what you do with your with your brand. Now that it's just going into a season two. And I want to see where you go with it. It's going to be really interesting. Thanks a lot. Uh, you know what? I never actually realized how difficult it was um, for anyone out there that's actually thinking about doing a podcast or doing a radio show in general, like how, how much you need to be driven to promote your podcast and how much work goes into it. And I really appreciate and have a respect for everyone like, like you and everything that you've done on your, your podcast. There's a lot of work uh, that people don't understand about, 
podcasters. Like you have to read up about me. I have to figure out things about you and we have to somehow uh, let it make it all work. And there's other people who have do like a uh, editorial pieces or, you know, they talk about uh, one guy, there's one, pl- one podcast I listen to called the nighttime podcast. He talks about murders and um, alien encounters and stuff like that. He has to do the research for that stuff, you know? And sometimes chasing around guests, it's it's almost like you know podcasting. What it's it's considered as now compared to what it was maybe five years ago, ten years ago, it's come a long way. Um, it's it's becoming more and more respected. I believe this is the way it's going to go. People want to hear. They like the the fact that you know I can take the Revelations podcast right now, download a few episodes, and head on out the door and listen to it on my road trip. Like how awesome is that? So. The mobility part is definitely the big thing for me. And I want people to be able to take a piece of what I have and take it with them. And, you know, I, I also welcome feedback, which is uh, sometimes not wanted by a lot of people, but I want to hear it. I want to hear the bands that you think I should hear, you know, like uh, it's uh, the, the podcasting society our community that especially mm-hmm. that we have yeah it's it's really back and forth yeah you know? there's a lot that goes into podcasting but it, it is well worth it up here in canada it is uh like i went from being a radio guy uh kind of in the mix to being one of the i would say one of the forerunners and like the like the pioneers in podcasting and in, in, uh in canada like I know our friend Scott, he's like top of his game in podcasting, but there's other people who are just moving on to podcasting from radio. Making that jump proves a point, but you're also putting yourself at the head pack of the industry because for some reason, you guys in the United States, it's podcasting's really huge out there. Here in Canada, people are just getting uh, attuned to it, you know? It's like a it's like a phase that kind of just it's like a wave, you know. It it happens here, but it happens on a delayed kind of time frame, you know. So um, podcasting is amazing, and you know, it's a it's really it's really inspiring to see people be able to put together audio and uh, presentations and really intellectual uh, interviews with people uh, collaborating, you know, like you and I. And, you know, having somebody else come on the show and conversations, people love listening to passive things and hearing about people, learning about people. And uh, it's definitely a different direction that radio doesn't have that element, you know? Yeah. And glad to be one who provides that element. And same with you. I'm glad that you provide it as well. I am. Oh, man, I could talk uh, about uh, radio and music all day, but I know that... uh, I know that you have to run and uh, I know your time is valuable. So before I do let you go, I have these questions to ask you. So in your life, which has been your biggest regret or your biggest lesson learned? Oh, my, 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 my biggest regret in my life was probably not doing this podcast. Mm. My biggest lesson learned was you know, um, learning to believe in myself. I, you know, a lot of people told me I couldn't do this and a lot of people kind of shunned me for doing and speaking my mind, but, you know, moving forward and doing something you're passionate about and showing people that you're serious. Um, that's one of the biggest lessons I ever learned was to believe in myself and stick to what I need. I want to do, you know, people will, um, Definitely respect your opinion more if they see you can follow through with something. 
So um, going back to, you know, my biggest regret not doing this show earlier, I brought it up to somebody yeah. uh, way back in the day about doing a show like this. And uh, actually, he was my boss at the time. And he uh, kind of smirked and laughed at me. You know, that's, you know, it, the support wasn't there. And I felt that I had to, you know, have the support of people to do it. But you can always earn support. And the people who don't support you, uh, well, they say you're, your friend, some of your enemies are your biggest fans. So, um, although I don't go out intentionally making enemies and stuff like that, uh, that's just a saying. But uh, like I told you, um, the biggest regret was not doing this sooner because right now I'm I'm almost thirty years old. Imagine if I had five years on this. You know, you know, just the best thing is just I wake up every day, I work hard, right. I try and uh, see what's next for me, I get things done, and I really hope that you know one day I can be mm-hmm. one of the the number one outlets out there for people to come and hear new music. And that's what I'm really trying to push it to be, uh, especially with the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. You don't just leave it to yeah. me. I will play the music. Oh, I will yeah. tell you about the band and we'll have some fun in between songs as well. So um, it's, it's most, it's mostly everything I've ever wanted. You know, I play the music that I believe in that I want to hear but I can also voice my opinion and talk about cool, crazy things in between and be myself. And I felt that radio wasn't letting me be who I wanted to be. I felt restricted. You know, I could swear on my podcast if I want to, because that's a, 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 when you swear, it's, you know, sometimes it's out of line, but sometimes it's because that's the emotion behind the word. You know, the emotion behind the word really makes everything make sense uh, in what I'm saying to you, you know, um, and it helps me express how I feel. Uh, and, you know, I can be a bit more risky and I, I have nobody to uh, answer my questions or, uh, or come at me with uh, accusations and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because um, in radio, you got to really, you got to really tip toe around what you're going to say, because especially if you know there's a, there's a rating period coming up, you're going to be really grilled on, how come your radio show is rated lower than the competitors or whatever? And uh, we have a thing here in Canada. If you swear on the radio, they could report you and fine you, you know, fine you uh, up to $25,000 for something like that, you know? So, you know, it's really refreshing to be on a podcast and, you know, helping do some good instead of playing some, uh, the same music. Uh, although I did think about doing a radio show and just playing the same music mm-hmm. every, every time, but you know, I'm just kidding. I would never do that, but yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that definitely would not be your forte. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there, there would be a freak out at one point and I would probably just not abandon. I would just abandon that project in general, but at, at least it, Cole in this, this way it keeps things entertaining for me. It, I enjoy finding the bands, uh, the way I find them. I have like a whole system. I wake up in the morning. I'll, make a pot of coffee and I have my playlists that I follow. I have, I go on YouTube, I go on the internet, Reddit, you know, um, basically this, the search is all condensed. It's very efficient for me now. It's second nature. It's something I like to do. It's not, it's not work. Uh, I finish a pot of coffee and by that time I've either, either found all the bands I need to find mm-hmm. plus some for the next week, or I found, you know, five bands and I've peed 10 times. I mean, it's really, it's subjective. Sometimes you have a hard time finding bands and, you know, bands that are good enough to be on your show. Uh, obviously, 
you know, finding new music now is it honestly, it, uh, sorry, it actually is. It's very hard, especially if you're, if you're looking for it, you don't know where to look. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. All right. Well, flipping the coin for a sec here. Uh, what has been your greatest accomplishment in life? My, my greatest accomplishment, um, there's been many actually, but my, my greatest mm-hmm. accomplishment so far, uh, was the chance to open up for some of my favorite bands, uh, growing up. I, I opened up for Skid Row. Uh, I opened up for Quiet Riot, a few, uh, members from Guns N' Roses and stuff like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. the Skid, the Skid Row thing was, uh, a very surreal moment for me and, uh, it was very like uh, humbling because you know I wish Sebastian Bach was part of the band, but you know the other members are part of it. But you know, just knowing that what they put into a record like Slave of the Grind, and you know, I'm sharing the stage with them in front of my hometown, and I listen to that record, and I, you know, it's wow, like how can they at that point, like that heavy metal album was, I believe, it went to number one on the Billboard charts. My heavy metal record mm-hmm. back in 1992 or 93. Uh, but like stuff like that, like things that one of the biggest accomplishments, I would say accomplishments. I just say, I don't really like, I don't really look back on my life and say, I believe in accomplishments. I believe in moments. Like some, there's some moments in my life where, you know, mm-hmm. you have, uh, something happened to you and it's like, okay, well, like, like mm-hmm. going to Los Angeles and, uh, meeting Toby from the, American top 40 and talking about him, talking to him about uh, Casey Kasem. And I've always been a fan of his and he died the year before Um, moments like that, where all of a sudden something clicks in your head and it's like, okay, I'm meant to be here right now. You know, this was meant to happen to me. This is a lesson learned for me. This is, you know, uh, it's not an accomplishment. It's a, it's a memory or a moment that happened in your life that you can tell somebody else about it one day and, Maybe my grandkids, uh, I am, I am 30 next year. So I'm sorry, 30 this year, 31 next year, champagne Mm -hmm. birthday. Um, but something to tell people, um, like a moment. I mean, like if you were to say a moment in my life that, you know, happened to me in the last four months, I would say, uh, you know, I POD, you know, the band POD payable on death. Um, they messaged me to add their song to my radio show. You know, that's, that, that's, uh, that's the moment in my life that I really love because all of a sudden, like a band that I've listened to prior for like 10 years, you know, I am in contact with that band and they want on my bucket list to, to see. So <laughs> having things like that to remember, I guess, I guess you can kind of say those are accomplishments. Like I got the word out enough that these guys messaged me, you know? So I, I don't, I don't say accomplishments, uh, an accomplishment, right now would be for me to uh, have this radio show and podcast. And that's, that's very big for me, but an accomplishment should be something that you make happen every day. Like you wake up, I, I make a list personally. It's like, I have to do this, that, and this or whatever. When you get through that list, that's an accomplishment. You know, when you eat that whole 24 slice pizza, that's an accomplishment. So like stuff like that, you know, I did this one time. I accomplished uh, destroying this pizza, you know, but, but those are moments, you know, moments, accomplishments, they go hand in hand. So, so that's, that's what it's all well, about. At this point in juncture, in this conversation that we've had, uh, I normally give my guests the floor to 
say whatever it is on their heart or in their mind or in their soul. So uh, whatever you have to say, it doesn't matter what. Uh, right now, the floor is yours. Well, you should have prepared me like half an hour ago. Okay. I just want to say to everyone out there that if you believe in something, uh, just go ahead and do it. Take advice, but don't let it st- uh, steer you away from your, what you believe in your heart and uh, just follow through on everything that you say you're going to do because your word is uh, your bond and people believe you more and more the more you accomplish, the more you stay true to your word. And uh, I just want to invite everyone over to the World Rock Countdown. Uh, subscribe to the show if you like it. I'm giving you the option. Um, and explore, hear new bands like never before. I want this to be the place you find your next favorite band. And I want your next favorite band to be that successful band that you see on the stage one day. Uh, support them, too, because they really need it. Sometimes recording records could be very pricey. And I know from experience, uh, I've seen people record songs for $5,000, and that's not easy money to make. Some people make that in two months. Some people make that in one, and some people make that all year. But if they're passionate about something, and it's music, you can definitely agree to definitely agree on that passion being something tangible for you to buy and invest in. So support bands on the show because, you know, without fans and people discovering their music, they're nothing. So I appreciate all the support and I hope that we can uh, connect in the future. And thank you for having me on the Revelations podcast. It's uh, It's been awesome. And I think that you have a voice for radio too, Cole. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I, uh, I take that in high esteem considering that you've been in the industry for a while. So thank you so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have heard this guy. He also has been on the radio and does have a voice for it as well, as you can hear. I've also got a face for it for radio too. Oh Lord. <laughs> oh Lord. Music executive, musician, bassist, by the way, and the founder of the world Rock countdown, George rock, George, thank you. It was an honor to uh, have this conversation with you. Oh, anytime. Take care and we'll catch you next time. The beauty of music is you get to experience so many emotions, good, bad, sometimes even indifferent. And the newness of certain acts and the beauty of feeling as though you discovered something that is never before seen is a wonderful thing. Many of us can remember the first time we saw the biggest acts that came upon the scene and how joyous that was. And my guest wanted to bring or wants to bring that energy back because for some reason it's been lacking. And I agree with him. I think that energy has been lacking for a long, for a long time. The word says, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Well, that's what music is supposed to do, bring us joy. And that's what new music is supposed to do. It gives us hope for a different tomorrow. It may be better, may not be better, but it is different. And just like anything that is new that comes into our sphere, when it comes, we see the world in a far different way than we did before. That's the beauty of music, but that's the true beauty of new music. I'd like to thank my guest, George Rock, and you can check him out, World Rock Countdown. It is everywhere you can catch podcasts. Go ahead and try them out. 
for changing the world one conversation at a time. I am Cole Johnson, and this has been Revelations. For more on Revelations, go to Pippa, spelled P-I-P-P-A dot I-O, and MileHighRadio.com, spelled M-I-L-E-H-I-R-A-D-I-O. Every Saturday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific.